Hey there, Sean. Hey, Pierce. How's it going? It's pretty okay. All right. That means it's time for another episode of the It's Pretty Okay podcast. Let's do it. Let's start the show. Happy tournamenting, y'all. Uh, this uh, we're recording this from uh, from the home of a friend. Shouts to, to Joey for hosting us. We've been doing our little company retreat slash uh, indulge in ninety six straight hours of basketball watching trip. Um, it is officially unofficially called the Pretty Okay March Madness Weekend of Horror and Despair. Though maybe it's third month crazy time actually is it officially called something if only one person in the entire world calls it that i've uh, never even heard that name personally. um it was it, I, I this was an exclusive report heard here first <laughs> he's trying to make fetch happen um but we we wanted to you know uh, we didn't want to deprive anyone of a podcast so we are taking some time on on sunday morning before games start uh and you know one one of the things that we've been pondering is that, you know, when you go on vacation, you kind of inevitably wind up spending money on stuff. Uh, and money can take many different forms. I'm sure we've all put a bunch of stuff on credit cards and debit cards. But I also made a point before uh, before I left Charlottesville to stop and get cash. Yes. Um, and I didn't. Uh, and Kevin is is here as well. If we haven't already introduced him, hey guys, hey Kevin. Uh, and and I feel like it's it's a good mix for this because you two, Kevin and Max, um, Kevin and I went and visited Max in late November, early December to go to Boston. And I asked before I came if Boston was a cash city, quote unquote. Um, and I ended up not bringing cash because Max told me that it was not a cash city. Lo and behold, it it kind of was, but. This is something that I've been thinking about a lot um, because I have not had cash in my wallet since before that trip. And I feel like, Max and Kevin, you are both kind of kind of cash people. I mean, more so than me, but I feel like you all always have cash. I certainly used to always carry cash. I've st- I stopped when I switched to what I'll refer to as a minimal wallet, which is a little thing that only holds maybe a couple credit cards and whatnot Mm -hmm. um i I still like when i carry some cash around and i mean i was at a store the other day that had a a 15 card uh minimum wow so i didn't buy anything from that store um i don't know i don't think i normally have cash these days oh interesting yeah so i i pretty much always have 40 to 60 dollars in my wallet it's not for writes that down yeah yeah, go go at me um (laughs) It's not for much other reason other than uh, I, I like the versatility. Sometimes it is a quick way to pay for something. I am someone who, uh, as I've discussed before, stresses about spending money. And so sometimes if there are unexpected ex- expenses that come up on a trip, the cash is kind of something I don't have to look back on when I like go look at my um, mm-hmm. statement. It's just like a, it's just like a quick, oh, this is money that I can kind of throw away and not have to think about. Uh, so it, it, it comes... I, I, I use cash for a lot of different reasons, uh, and it's not necessarily for any type of higher uh, higher level efficiency. Sure, you know nationwide reason. 
See, it's almost interesting that you say that because I don't like using cash for pretty much the exact reason, which is I like being able to look at my credit card statement and see every transaction that I've made. I like having a detailed record, and when I use cash, it's it's off those books. So it makes me kind mm. of uncomfortable to not have those transactions in a ledger somewhere. So that's that's interesting. I know that uh, I, I think a lot of people that use, you know, a lot of people of our generation, so to speak, that use cash do it, you know, in a way they do it as a form of spend control. Correct. Like essentially, you're prepaying for, you know, like, I think I'm going to spend $100 on this vacation. So I'm going to take hundred dollars out and that way i can only spend the hundred dollars i have sure but you're also spending that hundred dollars on my next airplane ticket by paying for my credit card points <laughs> sure yeah and and that is something that uh i i have done I, I really have done i think a decent amount of research into this to the point that i was texting a friend who lives in philippines recently and asking them you know how is it as a as being able to go cashless uh so there was a, a very, and we'll link to it, a, a very curious Vox um, video on just, you know, what are you paying for with your cash versus your card and everything else? And I think everyone is aware that um, these credit cards, when you use the machine, there is a, about a 3% fee. Um, it, it, you think that there is at least a 3% fee. Actually, what we've what we've learned is for the fancy cards that are made of metal, basically, and essentially any that you pay a, a, an annual amount for, um, those are closer to like nine and sometimes higher percentage fees. And what happens is the price for what you buy, you know, if if you you know whatever you're going in and buying, it's included in that. It's not even like tax. This is included. So what happens is if you go in there and pay in cash. You are paying for my ridiculous fee from my fancy card. And I knew the 3% fee and a lot of times places will be like, you know, the convenience is great, especially coffee shops, even though they're paying whatever on those small purchases. It's still worth the convenience of people. But it really has opened my eyes to what's what's really going on there. Yeah, Max. Well, it does make me wonder uh, if you think about places that have different prices for cash and credit, I can only think of one, but it's the type of place that's had that difference for as far as I can remember, which is gas stations. Gas stations, yeah. Gas stations have had different prices for cash and credit right. since as far as I can remember, and nobody kind of bats an eye at that. So, you know, it is fascinating to think if you're going to cover that extra percentage, why don't more small businesses just have different prices? Yeah, and I think I've seen it other places too, coffee shops, hmm. but, you know, I think, and one of the other things that, that, kind of brought up this topic is uh you know and, and sean i well i think all of you have been there with me but there is a it's twin springs fruit farm and they're in the dc area they go to a lot of farmers markets they're great they sent out an email in the fall and they were saying we actually want you to pay in cards this is preferred i usually that was the one thing i had cash for is the farmer's market but they all basically take cards and they mentioned something which is just security you, we talked about you know being able to trace you know what's better to trace well once you hand over that cash or it's out of your pocket it's gone you can't get it back and just like uh, you know if you have a cash cash box that disappears for whatever reason you can't get it back as opposed to there is inherent security with with the cards and I think that that things are kind of coming to it ahead with the convenience and the the kind of uh, fraud or or just the protections factor yeah and and so that that leads us ultimately to what 
what was the impetus for our chat today, which is a combination of Twin Springs urging you to use a card and then uh, a, a series of articles you sent to us about places, you know, cities, localities actually attempting to ban to ban cash yeah and and i think this is a good time because i don't think kevin has read it but one of you explain what philadelphia has done i don't think i've i didn't read it either (laughs) i didn't have time i'm sorry oh i read it but i i don't know that i fully recall um i believe that they were trying to ban cash but there was a pretty big amount of pushback. Or sorry, it was they were trying to ban cash only merchants. That's right. right. That, Philadelphia that's right. is the first U.S. city to ban cashless stores. Um, ban cashless. Yes. 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 Oh, see, I got this completely flipped. Yeah. yeah. So that is. So that that's. I find it. What what they're saying is there there is this idea, and there's one of the things I there's a splinter article I talked about, which is they're dealing with. A lot of people don't have normal bank, quote unquote, normal bank accounts. They certainly don't have credit cards, and for some people, that's good. Credit cards are bad. Um, it so they're protecting people that you know don't necessarily have Apple Pay on their phone, don't have a smartphone, and can't go in and, and pay like that. So they're providing protections for that, and people that just businesses that prefer cash for for whatever reasons. Um, there is pushback because. Uh, you know, a lot of times we invest in new technologies and promote them, I think, especially in, in America and some other, you know, technologically developed nations. It's like, you know, push forward, push forward, push forward. Um, and this is kind of saying, well, we're going to leave this protection in place. And what do you do with things like those Amazon stores where you walk in and you don't even have to pull anything out? They just know who you are and that's how you pay for things. So, you know, who... You know, I don't even think I'm ready to answer a question of what do we do with this, but it is something that is going to start hitting us and already affects my wallet. My my gut is if someone has U.S. currency, they should be allowed to exchange it if you've set up a store or some operation that exchanges goods or services for money. I, I think that I think that banning my gut is that banning cashless stores is the right thing for now, but I worry that that government does kind of tend to overreact to certain, um, I'll call them innovations, but that's probably the wrong word here, and and so this may go on too long, but I think for the moment, I, I think not having access to plastic methods of payment is a, is a serious impediment um, for a lot of people, so I, I don't know, I think if you have cash and you go to a store, you should be able to use it to, to buy something. Yeah, and I I think that that totally makes sense. The one way that you could maybe open it up and get around it is what Sweden did a few years ago. It's it's been a while. Uh, Max, I know you you sort of look at the article. Um, it starts uh, it's a New Yorker piece, and there was actually a huge heist of a lot of cash. And another problem you have is when you have these large bills, you know you can you can put a million dollars in a briefcase. Now if because they're hundred dollar bills. If it was twenty dollar bills, you could not lift that briefcase. Um, and so that's one thing: is this, if you steal cash, and you talk about using cash, and like, oh, cash is value. Yes, but it is fiat currency. It is based off of trust. 
So are it, you know, so is any other transaction at this point because we don't have things that have inherent value unless we're bartering or somehow you have some some doubloons. Well, except that com- I mean, compared to a credit card transaction, which is just ones and zeros dinging on a server somewhere, paper currency is basically the gold standard now. Like, Although, comparatively speaking. But what Sweden has done, I guess, to, to, to round that off is they are really pushing to go cashless as a society, in part because of Iceland, because they're, they're thinking about it. But to the point of they, they're kind of early in kind of the apps you can use. Um, and it, it's usually, I think it's just kind of your cell phone number based. And they, so to the point that you have almost people who are busking or, 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 you know, seeking donations and it will say like, use my, I forget the name of it, but it is, it is their, basically their Venmo, but it's sort of state, um, state sponsored. So everyone has access to this thing. Basically everyone gets a bank account, um, which is you know, something very foreign to, to us here in the United States, but that's kind of the way you get around it. So now everybody has access to this, this cashless um, society and they have an entrance. So you can move away from cash there. Yeah. So that I, I'm, I'm recalling now the conversation that we had a few weeks ago when you had first explained this thing to us. Mm-hmm. And I had my, my off the cuff reaction was, you know, I, this, Retailers going cashless seems wrong to me because excluding anyone, you know, excluding anyone theoretically from being able to be one of your customers based on the method that they pay with seems real. Like it seems just sort of common sense wrong Mm. and like there's possibly a, a, a discriminatory aspect of it. But then I was thinking about it from like a legal perspective because clearly, you know, this is a legislation thing now in Philadelphia, and presume you know if someone has a problem with that decision, it's going to go before a court. And you know, I was thinking who who is being discriminated against, and it's not you know it's not a uh, protected class, at least not directly to my mind. It's not minorities. It's not women. It's not people of a certain religion or sexual orientation. It is poorer people or people who don't have access to modern or hyper-modern banking methods. And so it seems to me like, you know, this is more like, I'm not, I think you're right that the Swedish approach like everyone having a bank account would be a really good thing. And that would allow us to do this and, and make this transition away from cash more smoothly but like there are so many other things just in the banking industry that need to be fixed before we fix the problem of people wanting to pay for stuff with cash. Yeah, a, a couple of concerns uh, that, that come to my head when I when I hear about this is a I mean, from a security standpoint, one thing that you know could come up is. Um, maybe people who aren't very savvy with technology could kind of get fished out of their money. Whereas, you know, if they, if they like handling cash, they know when they're handing someone 20 bucks, they're handing someone 20 bucks. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I feel like there could be some type of phishing problem. I mean, there already is a phishing problem with people like doing bank transactions, but, uh, when you kind of take that away, that's one thing. Another thing might, is if you put everything on a ledger, um, 
people, some people, I, I wouldn't necessarily, but I think some people might have a problem if everything is on a ledger. You can't just hand someone a hundred bucks for something. That's a good point. Cash is the preferred medium for under the table shit. <laughs> right. But I think that that could also go into the future with cryptocurrency. I mean, is cryptocurrency not the future of non-traceable financial so transactions that... under the in the black market? Well, it depends on whether you think the people who are dis- like who are developing cryptocurrencies see them only as a replacement for you know for kind of transactions that you want to be anonymous. Sure. But they they don't. They see it as a a replacement for all money yeah and you may not be giving your your local your local drug dealer one one millionth of a, of a bitcoin in exchange for some some drugs I don't at know. this point wouldn't it be like 1.7 bitcoins I'm not, I'm not sure yeah i mean i think the thing about the idea of really a, a cashless cent- system decentralized like that is that that is something right now that is hard to imagine as a kind of state sanctioned and where the, mm. the official currency of some right now we are, it's, it's crypto exchanges. It becomes, you know, how do we translate that? It just like gold. How do we translate that into dollars or pounds or, you know, uh, rubles? Well, that's because the whole concept of state sanctioned runs fully counter to the idea of decentralized and anonymized sure and so to an extent that the banks who now have their own they're looking into the crypto and they <laughs> right. have their own which is like, okay this is just another you're building your own computer you you're a your gigantic centralized corporation asshole <laughs> like we how are you different so i you know and, and you kind of mentioned a little bit the the under the table stuff and and what it allows to do but but one way and i'm reading from the new yorker piece here which is you know, with a pocket of cash you could be anyone a russian spy a birthday celebrant an avocado avocado like a lawyer um out for a night on the town with a cashless trail you were fated always to be what you had always been you couldn't flee from your name your purchases even your network of friends you were always by your cards or cell phone outed as yourself so there's even the you know, if you want to, if you just want to go to a bar and be immersed in whatever fantasy seems the wrong word, but you know, kind of do what you want. If we, as we're doing, you want to go to Raleigh for a fun weekend and you just want to enjoy it and, and really be whoever you want. No one has to know who you are. And that doesn't have to be nefarious in any way. That can just be one of the best ways to escape is, you know, to kind of hide in plain sight. And something that doesn't have that trail is really nice in that way, I think. Yeah. But, you know, at the, I would, I would also point out, and I thought that this was very, um, it, it helps out too, as far as the balance of, of good and bad with this. Um, so far, the U, I'm reading in, so far, the U.S. still embraces cash because our concept of wealth is material. We collect it, we handle it, hoard it. American money is private. Sweden has embraced cashlessness more readily in part because it finds the value of currency in the transfer and velocity, the social path it follows, the bonds it traces. It's social, a network conception of wealth. Um, and just that, I, I do think that that's ultimately a problem. And when we talk about Philadelphia um, and them banning cashless stores, um, we still use wealth to to really stratify populations and and so if it becomes 
I think one way is what they're doing, and Sweden is obviously known for for being very progressive in 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 everything. But this is just another example of the institutions and how we approach things that we all have. I mean, every country has, you know, currencies, but there is a way to approach currency that is more equitable, even if it is something that you use to measure how how many goods you can get or something well, like that. Yeah, and part of that I think what you're what you're explaining is like a philosophical difference between money being you know the value of money being in having money and the value of money in being what the money allows you to do. You know, in terms of the experiences that you can have, you know, the things that you can get that will bring you joy or the experiences you can have with other people i mean like like that is the social path right yes yes and currency does not currency is is a measure that is kind of binary i have i have cash or i or don't i have a credit card that i can spend a certain amount on or i don't it doesn't have to be connected to my character and where i sit in a social hierarchy um you know if, if it's just having a certain amount of money allows me access to go to a bar and have a nice time that's all, all it's doing is is giving me an access. It, I don't have to be better because I'm sitting at this seat and you're not because I have the high roller table. And that makes me and that makes me curious. I think I'm understanding what you're getting at. I'm curious if Sweden has this even these these differentiators in terms of the plastic they use, because w- what I'm thinking of is that in America we have, you know, not just a credit card, but then you have a black credit card or a metal credit card that that plunks on the table when you put it down to kind of show like, oh, I I could pay for this meal twice if I wanted. Like, is is that kind of what you're what you're saying? <laughs> um, I it it's it doesn't really get into as as much how how that comes up. I mean, I'm sure that those those exist. I mean, I could go there tomorrow and and have my card that is that is made of metal. But I get the I get the idea that uh it doesn't it doesn't matter as as much to them it's it's like well okay that's fine i'm not going to i'm not going to treat you any differently because it, it just seems they're not putting that social connection to money in the same way we do um i mean they they might not they might not even they might not even recognize that it's made the noise cuz that doesn't matter to them um you know ultimately is is that what i is that what I want? I mean, that's that's a huge cultural shift, and I think that's very hard because just you know, America in, in some ways is built off of how much of something of value you have. I mean, from the start of I have all this land. Who who were the people that founded this nation? People with a whole lot of land. Yeah, I would argue that American. You you talked about American wealth being about material, and I think it's more you know. It's not, it's definitely not just like the amount of currency. It's how much land. It's how much house can I put on that land. It's how much shit can I put in that house. Mm-hmm. Um, I know for me what I want first before we undergo any major societal shifts about what forms of currency are or are not okay. I want major societal shifts on like whether we do or don't teach teenagers personal finance in schools because we don't and we should or like whether or not it's easy to fill out and pay your taxes because it's not but it should and it can be like i want those things first but isn't that another example of how we're using kind of money and and wealth to to divide people because it's like well if you have money you'll know how money works and if you don't have money you'll never know how money works no have 
Have you not seen the fact that they made two 30 for 30 documentaries on how athletes go broke? Like, these are people who have money, but they were not. C- what they come do. from is what I mean. Okay. Come All from. Right. So that's that's a fair point. But you can we can educate everyone. It doesn't have to be the case. Like, you'll still have an advantage if you come from money, at least for the time being, until we eat the rich. But you can educate everyone on personal finance. Like, personal finance is not how to you know it's not upward social mobility it's not how to break from the not rich category into the kind of rich category into the rich category into the fuck you rich category it's how to set a budget so you don't go broke it's how to afford all the things that you need in your life so that you can afford a $400 emergency like a shockingly high number of Americans can't do um and it doesn't like that's that's the thing like this doesn't need to be a major societal shift like teaching people how to be responsible with money like if if doing that is a major societal shift we have a major societal problem yes <laughs> damn it uh, well God damn maybe it. In, no you're right yeah go ahead max well i i think that you also have a, a bigger problem in america versus sweden and i don't know how to unpack this fully but i I think you're gonna get a lot of pushback from taking away cash because cash is cash is freedom cash is that's my personal stuff and so the alternative is that you're either trusting a massive organization with um you know trusting your trusting your money trusting everything you have to a massive organization like i don't know wells fargo who can't be trusted (laughs) or any other large bank who probably you know people or you're trusting the government which I'm just not sure that would that would fly with so, with a majority of the country. I, so I don't know. the the difficulty I think in this ultimately and and why I've spent a lot of time exploring it is it doesn't necessarily follow along the the normal kind of dichotomy we have for these things because this is something that you know you've got the technology but you also have banks that are interested in maybe you not using cash and using their more of their services. Um, but then you have that freedom aspect, um, which you know could affect people that are on on both sides of things. It could say, "Well, you know, what about the less fortunate?" And you could say, "Well, I don't want you, I don't want you government telling me what to do." So it's it, there's there's a lot here, and I think it's I think it's less about do we go cashless or not, or how you know, like you said, how are we approaching money? And this stems from who really wants us to be cashless. If I recall in that article. This came about because large banking organizations were offering small restaurants large sums of money as an incentive to go cashless. And also with Amazon doing their their go stores or whatever, cities want them, but that is a cash like wholly cashless place and how do you how do you deal with that? I mean, you know, Kevin, I I guess you you are in a way that that I I definitely admire you are very conscious of, of your spending and you think about it and you think long term. But this this part about, I don't know, people being better educated about money. I mean, I think it's a difficult thing. And, uh, you know, I, I know I would have benefited more from more education on it. I mean, does that does that strike you as maybe one of the underlying principles of this debate entirely? Yeah, I think so. I like Sean said at the beginning, I think that a lot of people do use cash as spending control and 
you know, credit card companies make a lot of money off of people that get in credit card debt and people don't understand how credit card debt compounds and just absolutely screws you over. And, you know, if people, I don't, I don't, maybe there are some people who do know that and therefore don't get themselves credit cards. Um, and I think that they should be able to do that. And I also think that cashless is, I, I don't know if cashless is something we ever need to like rush along. It's going to happen eventually. I don't know that we need to rush it. Um, and yeah, and I, I think an, another thing I, I'm thinking of is like Max said that he thinks that people might need to uh, or should probably have the right to use uh, cash at a place. Maybe there's some solution where if a place sells uh, food, you have to take cash. But if it's like an electronics store, I don't really care if they want to go cashless. Like if someone needs to buy something, I doubt they want to be carrying $500 of <laughs> cash to go in the store and buy it. Well, but, but that also gets back into another fuzzy thing about, like, what do Americans value? And most of the time it comes back to you not being able to tell me what the fuck I can or can't buy. So it, that, like, we run into that same tricky ground of, like, classifying, you know, because I do, like, from a, a high up, just purely abstract, you know, philosophical perspective, like, I do think that sort of makes sense that, like, things that are staples of being alive and well like probably shouldn't discriminate in your payment method but like how do we determine what is or isn't in a set like you know i think we could probably convene a reasonable panel of people uh but no one would accept that panel as a reasonable panel of people no matter what their beliefs are basically yeah i, I mean Ultimately, this this will probably go up to a, a federal level because you have to deal with interstate commerce is being affected by a, a preference on who it ends up being. It doesn't sound like who, but it does end up being who can come into your store. Are you are you only wanting people that are part of the banking system in some way? Um, or are you saying, no, we'll only take people that that are, are we are going to include people that have cash as their only means for reasons that are, um, you know, like from a personal finance perspective, maybe wise, maybe in their best interest. You can't trust yourself with a credit card and trust sounds mean, but just you are smart about it or you just don't want to. I mean, there are plenty of people who just don't want to be part of that system. And I, I respect that. I do. Yeah. And it does make me, it reminds me back from the beginning of the conversation you mentioned, you came up to, to Boston and you weren't sure if you needed cash. Um, there are multiple restaurants within a couple blocks of my apartment. I'm realizing now that offer pretty good discounts. If you pay with cash, uh, I think both of them, the all of them that I can think of are at least seven, if not ten percent, off of your food, which is really? better than any uh, credit card reward you're gonna get. <laughs> um, just simple math right there. Uh, but it also makes me think, you know, a lot of the money that's being that's being left off the table when you pay with cash is tax money, and so I'm not sure whether the government would actually be incentivized. I think that's a, another thing you have to, to think about because specifically, I, I mean, what jumps to mind is restaurants because I have that experience. Like, there's a reason that, that restaurants prefer you you pay and tip in, in cash and it's it's so that they can give Uncle Sam less money. I think everyone knows that, so I don't, but that's and how it that, works. That, gets, that does get into, again, I, I, re I think we're going along this, so I don't really want to say much more, but just... That there, and it goes to Sean point and, you know, Kevin's point as well, but that shows a, a distrust in the, the, the state, which is creates this currency 
and you feel like shouldn't be against you. It should be empowering you. And what you know, we're looking at this one place where it has made money into a thing that is just fine. It's not hoarding. It's not material wealth. Just just is as opposed to here. It you know you're you're scared of the government and what they're going to do to the wealth, and that just that's upsetting because I think you can educate people and have a better relationship with the currency. Yep. If there's if there's one. One thing we have great trust and confidence in in America in 2019, it's governments and large centralized institutions. Oh, wait. Uh, well, okay. Uh, so maybe this is all just going to become a, a shit show for a while until we figure it out. I mean, that sounds like most of American history, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. It's pretty okay. Yeah. There you go. Per- <laughs> perfect capper on, on a conversation among people who are very expertise on, on the subject about which we speak um all right so uh, if you have thoughts on businesses going cashless uh cities saying no you probably shouldn't do that at least not for now uh check us out on facebook or twitter at pretty okay pod and let us know what you think and we will move on as we do to pierce is sorry and what is on the apology docket today so this uh, this is sneakily part of the reason why I wanted to do this podcast because um, a couple weeks ago, maybe maybe even like a week ago, um, I was what I'm apologizing for is that, and I realize after talking about this now, my fears, apparently my un, unconscious fears, are 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 bad and not aligned with reality and the actual nature of the problem. Because about a week ago, um, I had a dream or excuse me, a nightmare that I got cash and spent it. And right now I am proud that I've gone like four or five months without having cash in my wallet. And so I walk up, woke up like fevered and, and afraid. I was like, oh no, and realized no, it was just a nightmare. It wasn't real. So I'm sorry for dreaming about accidentally spending cash and being, <laughs> you know, feeling embarrassed because it's not a big deal and it's beside the point of the whole the whole conversation here it's it's not about me spending cash it's about you know getting better education on better educated on money so yeah I'm sorry for that <laughs> i don't know <laughs> had, had an apology for a dream before yeah well it was it was a nightmare and that's part of the problem <laughs> <laughs> all right uh okay um sh- sure uh, well, we will uh, close the show because it's just about basketball time uh, with a big idea from pop culture. And I've uh, got one from the world of music today. Um, I believe last year uh, I talked about Scott Hutchison, uh, the leader, founder, singer, songwriter of the band Frightened Rabbit, who took his own life in May. Uh, and about what his music meant to me and what it meant to a lot of people who were, you know, looking for, you know, just a, a voice of, yeah, I've been there too. Uh, and I, it's kind of hard to believe that now it's almost been a year uh, since he, since he died. And uh, I'm, I'm glad that uh, several of his, friends from the world of music got together at rough trade in new york recently for uh, a tribute concert where they uh said some lovely words about him and then had 
had a, a rotating group of musicians get up and actually pay tribute by performing his songs. Um, and it is on SoundCloud now. So I had a, a chance to listen to some of it and it is, it's really excellent. It's, you know, it was a real gut punch to hear Craig Finn from the hold steady and Julian Baker and Ben Gibbard from death cat for cutie sing these songs that, you know, that carried so much emotional weight already mm-hmm. and now are just imbued with even more heft from, you know, uh, from from what they mean to to people who, you know, who miss someone, who miss someone that they loved, whether they knew him directly or not. So um, I don't remember exactly what the compilation is called. Uh, I think it might be called An Evening with Scott Hutchison. Um, but we'll we'll link to it on the show page, and you should check it out on SoundCloud. I don't know if there's a way to uh, to support them by by buying it yet, uh, but I'll I'll track that down, and if there is a way to do so, I'll post that in the show notes as well. Great. Um, all right, that takes us to the end of the show. Uh, thank you to Kevin for joining us. Go who's woo. Uh, and uh, you can find us on Facebook or Twitter at Pretty Okay Pod or at our home on the web at www.prettyokaypod.com. You can subscribe to our podcast feed on your app, your device of choice. Uh, you'll get our episodes every Tuesday automatically. If you do that, first of all, thank you. Uh, second of all, uh, if we can ask one favor of you, please just like, leave a rating, uh, review, or comment, that sort of thing. Or... You know, if you if you've already done that, but you have a friend that you think might be interested in what we're doing, tell them about the show. We would love to share it with them as well. We will be back again next week, as always, to talk about something else. Until then, I'm Sean. I'm Pierce. I'm Max. Thanks for listening. Bye.